everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. My name is Kevin Foss. I'm your host. Uh, I'm a licensed clinician specializing in the treatment of OCD and anxiety disorders. And um, I, uh, I thank you all for joining me for today's episode. So for those of you who are new, this is a question and answer based podcast where you get to send me questions about OCD and anxiety and all that stuff. Um, how it works and what you can do about it, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com, send me an email over there at the submit a question link, and uh, I will read it, consider it, and likely put it up. Now, you can also send me an audio question, which uh, is my preferred. Uh, you can send me a message over at uh, Instagram. I am fearcastpodcast over there. You can also send me a message over at uh, Fearcast Podcast. Go record your um, go record your question into a uh, into the voice memo app on your phone or however else you want to do that. Upload it to Google Drive, and you can send it over to me. Send over the link at Fearcast Podcast. Send over the, the link to that shared Google Drive, and I will download it and get it there. So, um, as always, I hope you are all doing well. Thank you for joining. Um, man, I'll tell you, we just keep getting more and more questions, and I, I'm. Today I'm going to try to run through. I'm going to try to. I'm going to successfully run through two questions. I've been trying to do at least one a week, and now I'm going to try to do two because I keep getting more and more. Um, I, I want to honor as many of the questions that I get, and there's just a tremendous backlog. And these are these questions that I'm going to talk about today are basically from a year ago. So I apologize for the the late the the, the lateness of them. But you know what? As I was rereading them, I'll tell you, they are just as fresh today as they are as they were then. And um, you know, I, I I think there's going to be someone out there who will be um, dealing with some of these issues. Uh, and that's that's what's been fantastic for uh, this sh- this show is just to hear people's um, people's experiences and also to uh, uh, to have other people talk about how you know past way past episodes have been helpful for them. Um, it's just incredibly meaningful. Uh, to that end, and I hate doing this, so I'm going to do it again. Though, uh, if you like the show, uh, rate the show, uh, give it a thumbs up, a like, a star, five stars for whatever the maximum storage is. That would be great. Uh, you can also write a review. That also all of this helps other people to find it, other people to, uh, or it helps it go up the rankings, and uh, again, other people to find it. So um, if you found it, someone can else can find it, and um, hopefully gain something from it. So today's going to be ROCD heavy, so relationship OCD heavy. I'm just uh, trying to pair these two together. So if you have ROCD, this is probably an episode for you. If you don't have ROCD, skip right through this one. You don't have to listen to all of them. But um, there will also be, you know, something to remember about this. You know, I'm talking about ROCD. Ultimately, in terms of the world of uncertainty, we're looking at uncertainty. How do we accept uncertainty across the board just with stuff? So with with ROCD, yeah, we're going to talk about this, but some of the skills, the mindset can be can be applied to every other type of of. of uh, OCDs and anxiety subtype. So, all right, everybody, without further ado, here are those questions. All right, so this first question comes from Danny. He warns, and I'll warn, it's, it's, it's a little long, but I'll try to power through this. And actually, Danny, I'll say this, it's certainly not as long as some of the other ones I've gotten. So he says, I found your podcast after being overtaken by what I think are ROCD-based thoughts. To my knowledge, they're, uh, they started towards the uh, start of the year, and I freaked out shortly after, uh, but had no idea as to what I was dealing with. Then I kept myself busy for many months afterwards, but uh, in the past two months, the thoughts have just come back with a vengeance. 
I've been with my girlfriend for a few years and she's the best, but since the pandemic and being home more, the topics have been, or the topics of having children and getting married have become a, a more of a bigger issue for me. I've always thought that I would never have kids or get married. However, um, I was never too bothered about changing my mind either if my partner wanted to do either. It says my girlfriend has a condition, um, and, uh, and for quite a while I've told myself that uh, it didn't bother me. And then when the topic of having children came up, again during the lockdowns, it freaked me out because I just didn't want any of my kids to have this condition. After being at home for the majority of the year, like most of us, um, I've, come, I've become obsessed over the thought of my potential future children having to live with this condition. It kind of, uh, or the kind of bullying that they must go through, or uh, just the idea that I will be bringing them into this world knowing that they could have to live with this condition. Um, I suppose live with this condition bothers me. Um, my girlfriend has told me about the kinds of experiences she avoided, uh, or th that she had to experience uh, because of this condition. I started to, um, oh, she go <laughs> Danny goes on to say, um, I also started to pick at her physical flaws. He put, put, puts fault flaws in quotes. Uh, started to pick at her physical flaws in general, and I hate myself for doing this. I would spend hours comparing her to other women, and I told her that we needed to have a break, and that this was because I didn't want to say anything to her that I would uh, regret, uh, that I would later regret, whilst I'm going through all of this confusion as my mind was telling me to break up with her. I started to distance myself from her, and communication has died on my end. However, she has been completely supportive. I want to beat this, but I just don't know how to. I don't know if, if I should actually leave her or not because of her condition, and it's never going to not be there. All right, Danny, thank you so much for sending this in. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're having to go through this struggle, and I'm sorry that it's it, this... Um, this anxiety has been affecting your relationship. Um, it's th th this is this is a one of those complicated sort of cases in, in a sense where, you know, there there's it, it seems like there's a couple things at play. At least as I'm reading through this, it seems like there's a couple things at play. Um, yeah, certainly there's there is some OCD at play, but you know there there could be also some other relationship issues just um, contributing to all of this. So um, so as as everybody who's listening to this, or if you are familiar with ROCD, ROCD is relationship OCD, and it is just the the OCD cycle. It is the the OCD pattern grabbing onto one's relationship where the theme of the obsession is about the future, the state, the status, the happiness, the well-being of the relationship. And I'm, I'm certainly hearing that because you, you talk about these compulsions that you're doing. The one thing that really jumped out to me as part of a, a really significant compulsion, you said you, you, you got fixated on her, quote, flaws. So the, the flaws, I'm, I'm assuming to, I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to this, uh, this condition that she has. Um, and, and, and then all of that time you spent, um, you know, comparing her to other women. I, I wonder for you if you would if you'd think about it or if you spent some moment or spent a moment to think about it I wonder what what that's in relationship to like what is the purpose of it is it and, and I, I anticipate it's going to be a worry that that you're just not going to be happy with your partner or that you're with the wrong partner 
right? That if or and that you're just never going to be happy with them, as I, I think I mentioned just a moment ago. So is it like, all right, if you marry this girl, I think you've said that you you, you think she's great, you, you you love her, she's wonderful, you you like spending time with her, but you know, gosh, this this thing is different and it's weird. I'm putting weird in quotes myself, right? It's terrible for you. And for, for a lot of folks with ROCD, they get fixated on physical traits. And you're calling them flaws, but for some people, we'll just call them traits. And they're just differences. Someone's nose looks like this. Their waist looks like this. They are Things are bigger. Things are smaller. Things are differently shaped than the other person would prefer or would want or thinks. And I think this is the key. Is, is they, they think is perfect or wonderful or beautiful. So therefore, if we're th- if they're with this person and locked into a relationship with this person, they're just never going to be happy. And two things. One, maybe they're just never going to be fully happy because of that flaw. Or they're never going to be happy because they're going to constantly be aware of and fixated on that thing and locked into the comparison. Well, being, I'll say this. Everybody has flaws. Every single person, Danny, that you're ever going to be with is going to have a flaw. And if it's not this one condition that your girlfriend has, it's going to be something else. So it's something to remember is that you're never going to be with a perfect person. And we need to alleviate ourselves of this fantasy that we're going to be with a perfect person. Because I, I don't know you, Danny, but you are not perfect either. There is something about you that is odd or weird or misshapen or bigger or smaller than perhaps a partner would want. Or even perhaps as you would want, right? I don't have things about me that I wish were different. But it's, it, it's whether or not that thing is going to lead the other person into being a lifetime of, hap- of unhappiness, just terribleness. As it sounds like that's what you're worried about. So in, in terms of how to address this is one thing is that looking at that, that, that compulsion of comparison, catch yourself doing it. Pull back as much as you can. And you have to acknowledge that it's, it's different. You can say, gosh, it's different. But, you know, different does not mean bad. And sit with whatever that fear is, because it's not the, 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 quote, the flaw, it's that fear of what does it mean for you. That's that feeling that you're going to have to sit with and say, you know, maybe it means that I'm, quote, never going to be happy. Now, by the way, I guarantee you're never going to be happy if you spend the rest of your life comparing and actively comparing. You will, we will, as people, notice the differences between other people and our partner. That person has bigger, smaller, taller, shorter, wider, thinner, whatever. It's going to be different because people are different. You will notice the differences. But then when we get caught up in that comparison and the meaning behind that comparison and the significance for us, that's where it becomes the problem. So we're going to have to accept that our partner looks the way that they do. Now, for this, scripting can be great. Scripting, writing out that you're never going to be happy again. Scripting that your, your partner is just, they, they look like a gargoyle and everyone somehow knows it. And that you're just unhappy and that every, every woman you see is just more beautiful than her. And, and, and you could be happy with her, but oh, you're locked in with this gargoyle for the rest of your life. And, and sit with that feeling and just say, you know, this feeling is a feeling and it's a silly story that my brain is giving me. And I don't know about the future. Neither do you, right? But I don't know about the future. So I have to be here in the moment, right? Now, I, I will also say, uh, t- taking a picture of that flaw and looking at that image, 
tolerating the thoughts that that flow in and flow out. There's no there, there's nothing that you're going to be able to do cognitively that's going to change the quote flaw. There's nothing that you're going to be able to get yourself to. There's no exercise I can give you that's going to change the flaw. The flaw is there. The question then is is are you going to let that flaw be the thing that gets in the way of your relationship? Because your your girlfriend is so much more than just that quote flaw. She's a lot of other things that it seems like you are also ignoring and you're not paying attention to. There is the, the I would question also, well, what are you doing then to con- re-contribute to the relationship? How are you investing in the relationship? It sounds like at the end of this uh, note that you sent to me, you're not. In fact, you divested in the relationship. In these situations, in the it, perhaps if you are still broken up or perhaps if, if um, you've gotten back together, I wonder what is it that you're doing to contribute to the relationship in those moments? It feels like these flaws are a block in between you two. They, they feels like, all right, I have to solve, our, our brain suggests, well, we, I have to solve this, I have to rectify this, I have to get to be okay with this in order to commit or to get close or to have intimacy. That's a deception. That's a lie from OCD. We don't. You're never going to square it. You may never square it. But despite that feeling, despite the awareness of the quote flaw, well, how can you invest in the relationship and make it more positive? Make engage in that relationship. There's the there's the um, uh, there's the classic line of um, you know the grass is always greener on the other side, right? But let's extend that. What are you doing to water your own lawn instead of being envious of other lawns? What can you do to cultivate yours, right? Knowing that there may be some crabgrass there. There may just be some weeds from time to time. That's okay. How is it that you are beautifying the relationship as best you can and investing in that which is wonderful that you actually do enjoy, that you actually together can build something wonderful together and make that the focus rather than these, quote, flaws. If you take those flaws and you put them right in front of your face and that's all you're attending to, then that's all there is. Sometimes we take those things, it's like taking a pillow and you put it right in front of your face and you wonder why all you see is pillow and you can't see the rest of the world around you. Well, it's because you're putting the pillow to your face. That's why. Sometimes we do this with our flaws or the problems. And I hear people out there saying, yeah, but the problem my partner has is a real problem. Is it? Is it something that can be discussed or adjusted or addressed? Can you two work it out? Sometimes things within ROCD can be can be things that are just needing to be addressed and discussed. They can be relation, actual relationship issues, um, but masked with OCD. Now, if it's a physical flaw, I mean, there's no amount of communication that's going to change a physical condition. So it comes to needing to accept the reality of what it is that she looks like and the things that are there. And also refocusing on the wonderful parts about her. You got together with her because she's wonderful, not because she has these flaws, and and she has these flaws. Maybe that's a better way to have said it. So scripting is going to be great. Looking at getting a picture of it and just looking at that flaw and just tolerating that it's a there and accepting that that's who it is that she is can be helpful in terms of making space for that feeling, but also keeping that that reality as just part of who she is. Redirecting back into how do you invest in the relationship in, a most, in the most positive possible way.
Now, the other thing you mentioned is the concern about having children and this condition being uh, put forth. So, I mean, one thing to consider is that not every flaw is going to be a, a, a genetic condition that, that is passed forth just from one set of genetics uh, or from one parent. Sometimes it's going to be a recessive genes where both, both people need to have um, that, that gene in order for it to go forward. So, I don't know the condition. I don't know exactly uh, whether or not it is just a family trait, just everyone in her family seems to have this so everyone's gonna have it um but 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 or so and maybe it's but either way it's not a guarantee that your kids would have this but you're buying into the story that they will and then living and responding to it as if it's just a fact that has already happened this is the classic thought action fusion we're experiencing it you are experiencing it as if it's already a fact it ain't a fact just yet. It'll be a fact when it's a fact. But until then, it's just a thought. It's something that you're, you're afraid of, you worry about, you don't want to happen. But it hasn't happened yet. So I, I bring that up just to challenge that story. And, and challenge that, that, that conflation of pro- possible and probable. It's possible it could happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's probable. And unless, you know, you look into the genetic aspects of it and, it's, and that it is going to happen. And also challenge that thought that, you know, the, the bullying. Yeah, it is a shame that your girlfriend went through some bullying and had some awful, awful experiences. I'll say this. One, yeah. I'll, I'll say this anyways. It's not a guarantee that your child would have bullying or would experience bullying. But that being said, every child is bullied. If your child did not have the condition, trust me, they will be bullied for something else. That's a reality. We as parents don't want our kids to be made fun of. I don't want my kids to be made fun of. And trust me, I spent I spend time thinking about how they're going to get made fun of. When you're coming up with names, this is what I did at least. I don't know what other parents do. Like reasonable things but you know when thinking about the names i'm like all right how is my child going to get made fun of for this name and you spend some time thinking about it i spent some time thinking about it i'm like i'm I'm not going to try to set them up for failure but that being said man they're going to find something right my last name is foss in elementary school people called me faucet my dad also foss they called him fossages sausages sausage kids are dumb kids are stupid right they're gonna find some just tangential way to make fun of you and it's it's one the best thing that you can do in anticipation for that is knowing that your kid's gonna get bullied for something but how do you help them manage that bullying how do you manage that that um those experiences gosh i wonder if you talk with your girlfriend how did she get through it she's the one who experienced it how did it affect her? What does she do? Gosh, if she were to go back in time to deal with that again, what do you think that she would tell her past self? What would she have wanted someone to tell her to be able to better flow through and to be able to uh, uh, ride through that bullying when it, when it was there? So that may be a question to ask. Now, um, and I think about this for myself. I mean, I when I was having kids, I, I have a condition as well. I have um, I, I have a lung condition that affects my cilia. Um, well, I have a genetic condition that affects my cilia, but I guess your you know your your lungs and your sinuses are filled with cilia. Cilia is the little hairs that that catch the dirt, and um, uh, basically I, they, they don't work in me. And I 
constantly get sick. So I, if I if I sound sick, it's because I sound like I'm I, I probably am more congested than the average bear. Uh, meaning dirt gets up there, and typically the cilia would catch it, spit it back out, and I wouldn't get um, sinus or lung infections. But alas, they don't. So alas, I do. So I get sick from time to time. I do not want my kids to have it. Thus far, it seems like they don't, um, because I think I have the gene for it. Apparently, both of my parents had the gene for it, but they didn't know. And um, it just happened. My brother doesn't have it. And um, it's also, you know, if my kids were to develop it, which I think that if they were to develop it, I would have seen it already by now. Um, But um, if they did, you know what? You know who's the best person to help talk them through it? Me. If your kids have this, you know the best person to talk them through it? Your girlfriend. That's who. So I'm hearing this hyper-responsibility that you don't want this. Now, I will also say, I wonder what what the fear is and if this says something about you. If you are worried about causing harm and it's going to be your responsibility that they have this condition right? If, you're, if you are taking on way too much of the responsibility for this and trying to prevent pain, there's a reality that we can't prevent pain for everybody. And we need to accept that as a truth. We can minimize it. But if minimizing it means you just choose to never have children, even though your girlfriend does want to have children, that's a bigger discussion. Which brings me to the other discussion where you, you kind of said, you know, you kind of said, you said, I always thought I would never have kids or get married. So you, you, you said, ah, I could let someone take that, you know, change me on that one or like sway you. Sometimes we don't want to be swayed. And sometimes there are going to be things that we just don't want within relationships that are deal breakers for us. So one of those things can certainly be kids, can certainly be getting married too. Some people just do not want either one of those things. You may be one of those people that just... You just don't, and there's no talking you into it. Some people do get talked into it, and they spend their life being resentful of their kids. They, be, they get resentful of the marriage. Now, I'm not saying you will. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that I, I wonder if part of this anxiety is, a, it, it, and hear this in the best possible way, I wonder if some of it is a convenient way to blow up the relationship, you don't want to get married or have kids. You kind of said that you'd be willing to change your mind. I, You know, if you were in my office, we'd be questioning more about this. But alas, you're on the other side of the world, so you ain't here. So I'm speculating here. If you've said, I don't really want to have kids, but man, the conversation's starting to kick back up here in this pandemic. And oh, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to do that. And you find a way to blow up the relationship. I wonder how much of a role that's playing here. Now, only you can answer that, but I would have an honest chat with yourself about that and how, how much of a role that is playing. And if the ridiculous therapist in his office in Fullerton is, is just making something up, completely ignore me. That's totally fine. But consider how much it is playing a role and whether or not that's something to address with your girlfriend and with yourself and whether or not that's a decision to, to, to be made. So... So I think I'll leave you here with that. Um, I, if 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 you're still listening at this time, uh, shoot me an email. Let me know how things have went, how they how they how they had gone, and what decisions you made. Um, I either way, if you decided to have kids and get married, fantastic. If you decided to break up and and move on to someone else, 
also fantastic. But I'd be curious to find out what the fallout of all this was and where you landed with it. So uh, go over to Fearcast Podcast and shoot me a message over there or, or just go over to um, Instagram and message me there. I'd be more than happy to hear that. So Danny, thanks so much and best of luck. All right, so this next question comes from Rachel. She says, I experienced ROCD in my last long-term serious relationship, and I broke up with them because it, it had become too much and, and, and felt right, quote, felt right to leave the relationship. I've only just realized it was ROCD due to me starting to date someone else I really like. I still feel that leaving my last relationship was the best thing for me, and we would not have worked out long-term. Anyways, or we would not have, long, would not have worked out long-term. Anyway, but knowing this adds to my ROCD doubts about whether my anxieties about relationships or about the relationship uh, are for the same reason as the last time. Do the anxieties mean that it's not the right relationship again? Also, I'm dealing with not knowing whether my anxieties are, quote, gut feelings about relationships and if they are right. I hope this makes sense, she says. And they said, by the way, um, your podcasts are honestly helped or have honestly helped so much. Thank you. All right, Rachel, thank you for sending this in. Um, gosh, you, you, your, your question points out something that so many people deal with within relationships and so many people experience. And man, I'm going to be honest, this is what they talk about in, in you know, common media, movies, TV, about what relationships are. They are gut feelings. They, are, they, they feel right, right? What, what was coming up for me as you were reading this is that, that classic stupid question of like, how do you know you're in love? And people just go, oh, when you know, you know. Or, you know, when you, when you, when you feel it's right, it is. Right, some ridiculous comment or variation of that. Um, as you all know, my stance on feelings are kind of controversial. I think feelings are stupid. We feel too much. We give them way too much credit, and we do not, uh, and, and we make way too much of them in the decisions that we make in our life. Now, while I am the feelings are stupid therapist. You know, feelings can also be informative. They can also be helpful. They are they they help guide us. They are input into into the decisions that we make. However, they they are not everything. They are not the end all be all because the reality is, man, our feelings are going to fluctuate. We're going to feel close to someone, we're going to feel distant from somebody. We're going to feel angry at someone, we're going to feel deeply, madly in love with this person. And sometimes this is going to fluctuate, not sometimes. This is going to fluctuate, and just sometimes we're just not going to feel much. And all of that is normal. All of that is okay. We sometimes feel within relationships, or I hear this constantly within our OCD, is that, you know, we wake up one day and we're just not quite feeling it, so they get into the, or they, they just feel average normal baseline right and they go oh my gosh well i looked at my partner I didn't i didn't feel that feeling it must mean that i don't love them anymore it must mean that i'm not into them anymore i, I have a simple simple test for this oftentimes when i ask people um you know do, do you love your mom now usually the answer to this is of course i love my mom Right now, if you have a bad relationship with your mom, this question is not going to apply. But you could imagine what people might say. Um, typically, again, people say, "I love my mom." But then I go, "Have you ever been mad at your mom?" I go, "Yeah, of course I have." So great. Well, at that moment that you are mad, did you feel the lovey-dovey feelings? I'd say, "No, I don't." Okay. At, so at that moment, did you not love your mother? 
said, well, no, I, I do. I said, you know, if, if I were to stop you and say, do, do you love your mom? Even that, even at that moment when you're mad, you go, yes, I love my mom. and just freaking murder, right? It illustrates that just because we don't feel that feeling doesn't mean that we aren't, we don't have love. I was going to say in love, but in love with your mom sounds different than, anyways, it's that if the, sometimes the feeling does not mean the same as the decision of love. Sometimes we love somebody, but we don't feel the love for them. And that's normal. And you've experienced that with perhaps in this example with the relationship with your mom. You also feel that with your job. You feel that with your dog. You feel that with, with the weather. Weird example, perhaps. But sometimes we're mad at something. Sometimes we just don't feel a whole lot, but we still say that we love that person, that thing, that job, right? The same thing happens with the relationships. When we let the feeling guide us or dictate to us what it is that we're going to do, think, feel, etc., then it's probably going to lead us into some very weird places. So, we, what, what you've kind of talked about, and I think that there's, this is a great awareness that you've had when you broke up with a previous partner because it didn't feel right, but you started to notice those same kind of questions within a new relationship. Aha! Right? You see this pattern. You see this feeling. Now, something you can note with that is that that pattern is likely to be there. Those questions are going to be there. And all of that is okay. We can live with that feeling of not knowing. And, you know, we may not have that certainty. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in, in the middle of reading a book um, uh, on ROCD. And, and gosh, it's a, it, it's a great book. I, I will, um, I'll tag it. And, you know, I'll try to have, I'll try to have the author on soon to um, perhaps answer and field some questions for OCD, but it's by uh, Shiva Rajay. And um, I was going to say uh, her maiden name since that's, that's primarily what I knew her. And then she changed her name when she got married. Um, but anyways, so um, Shiva, she wrote this book, Relationship OCD. That's what it's called. Uh, it, it could be worth checking out. But, but one of the things she talks about in the book is that relationships and marriages based on love are kind of a new concept. Relationships, historically speaking, have been based on building and strengthening familial ties or you know strategic um, strategic alliances between families or to um, you know or, or to you know shore up some sort of deal within a family I don't know th things happen right but they weren't necessarily based on love kind of love and feeling um, love and affection was as she writes about that's what infidelities were for that's what mistresses were for or misters I, what's the male mistress man mistress I call them misters. Um, I just think it's funnier, perhaps. But anyways, it's that, that's what that was for, right? Relationships or marriages were about uh, families, were about uh, what made sense. You also kind of, Rachel, you also kind of addressed this here, is that you, you, said, um, you said something to the effect of, oh, where was it? You said, I, I, I still feel that leaving my last relationship was the best thing for me and that we would not have worked out long term anyways. Now, Sometimes relationships just don't work. You can love someone. You can have great feelings towards them. You can still have wonderful times with them and break up with them because you're also using your head in that and acknowledging that, you know, sometimes relationships aren't the best and they, you know, you might not be on the same trajectory and the things might not, you know, might not click fully, at least cognitively or rationally in the way that you want them to. We, we also use our rationale in the decisions that we make and we ultimately round up in the relationships that we have. There's no, there's no perfect person out there. We round that person up to deciding this is going to be my person. 
And sometimes then that feeling comes in, that gut feeling that goes, yeah, but what if? What if there's a more perfect person out there? What if there is a better click for me? What if my one is out there, right? Maybe they are. Now, I'm not a person who believes in, quote, the one, if you know what I'm talking about, or the, 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 the mysterious, mysterious, the one, right? But we, and it's not, in a, not not because I don't believe in romance and not because I don't love my wife, but it's because I, 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 it, it doesn't quite make sense. Also, it's that we, when we use that feeling as our guide, it's going to lead us into weird places. So, Rachel, something to think about here is, or something to acknowledge perhaps, is um, that that gut feeling is informative, but it is not the end-all be-all. You, if you are someone who has a, a, an anxiety disorder, you are going to have anxiety, and you're going to have doubts. You're going to have doubts about the relationship and whether or not you are going to be happy for the rest of your life. Maybe you are not with the perfect person. Maybe you're, you've decided and, and are living a lie, living a lie of a relationship in the relationship that you then choose to be in. And you know what? Make the best of it. One of the best uh, antidotes to ROCD is then making the best of the relationship that you're in, right? If we're taking all the things together and rounding up and saying, you know what, they're a good person, they're honest, we have a lot going on together, we, we have fun together, we work out our, uh, our fights pretty well, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know what, how are you going to make the best of the relationship that you're in? And then you kind of make space for that question. It's going to be there. There's no rectifying it. You've spent hours trying to resolve it. Why keep going? So you, you did ask about whether or not, uh, you said, do, do anxieties mean that it's not the right relationship again? I think, you're, I think you're asking the wrong question. You said the right relationship. I think that speaks to that idea of the one right? The right relationship. What is it? How does anybody know they're in the quote, right relationship? Instead, are, are, you, are, are you in a relationship that you're investing in and that they are investing in? Are you both working towards something together? Is this, a, is this a relationship that you two can work out your issues? Is it a relationship where you are um, moving towards some, some direction, right? Now, again, to the right relationship, it's not the right, right relationship. It's are you in the rightest relationship? Doesn't mean right. Does it mean that you could be with someone else and make that quote right too? Maybe. There, there are a lot of people we could probably get along with. So is this a person that you can get along with and are working things out with? And then again, sitting with that uncertainty about the future. I, I don't know. And sometimes, um, Rachel, if you decide to leave the current person that you're with, th that's also fine. But also knowing that it doesn't mean that the right person is right around the corner or that you need, to, you need to go on the hunt to find that right person. But that that question of whether or not this is the right relationship is going to be part of your relationship. And, and you're going to be then investing in the relationship that you are in. Again, as, as always, scripting can be helpful with this sitting with that feeling, acknowledging that that thought, sitting with that feeling of, you know, maybe I'm never going to be happy, that anxiety that comes with that idea that maybe you're never going to be happy. I don't know if you're working with a therapist right now. I would certainly encourage you to do so um, and, uh, and to kind of work out whether or not um, this is genuinely ROCD or if this is just kind of ROCD adjacent or whether there are other things going on with this. You know, when I when I talk about whether or not you were in a, were in a the, the right kind of relationship and whether, what kind of relationship, um, you know, 
this it never includes things like abuse, neglect, um, that, that, that sort of stuff. If that sort of stuff is present, that's the wrong relationship for you and you need to bounce. But if, if that's not there, well, perhaps working this out with an ROCD therapist could be a good idea. Um, re- reading through this uh, Relationship OCD book might be a good idea. A great tool that I like from this um, is uh, what, what, what Shiva calls leaning in. And it's taking that thought about whether or not this is the right relationship and just leaning into the fear part of it. It's going like, yep, I'm just never, ever going to be happy. Yep, I'm with the wrong person and I'm stuck forever. And it's just it's just going to be awful and I'm going to be sad to be stuck with this awful person, this boring nerd of a person forever. Ugh, I just feel empty with this person every single day. I guess that's what my life looks like. Now, you, you might hear some heavy dose of sarcasm and a little bit of what I call the eye roll approach. And because that's, because that's there. And that's what this approach is. It's taking that thought, we're just acknowledging it, but we're not going to engage with it in a figuring it out sort of process. Just, yeah, maybe I'm never ever going to be happy. And that's just what my life looks like now. Well, okay. So if that's the case, how am I going to make the best of this? Now I'm going to use a term here that's kind of kind of crass, but it's, you know, how am I going to shine up this turd as best I can? I'm going to drop some glitter on this turd and I'm going to make it as pretty as possible, right? Um, it's, it, I, I don't know if people even use that term anymore. Uh, anyways, but it, it's, it's, if your brain says this is just the worst possible thing, how can you make it as best as it can be. How can you shine up that silver metal to make it real shiny? It's still a silver metal. It ain't gold. But how do you shine up that silver metal and make it as shiniest as you can get it? So that'd be where I would redirect rather than the focus on the negative. And also, again, using your head in that. If it doesn't feel like it, or if it doesn't seem like the right relationship or it doesn't feel like the relationship that you would want to be in, you know, people can honestly break up with other people and that's okay. But if, if your anxiety and the fear of not being happy and the fear of, of being with the wrong person is the thing that's driving you, not a, not a, a lot of other reasons, then perhaps, um, perhaps OCD is at play. So, Rachel, again, thank you so much for the question and best of luck. All right, everybody, thank you so much for making it through this episode. If you have follow-up comments or questions or you would like to add something to this, go over to FearCast Podcast and send me a message over there. Tell me how I completely botched this uh, guidance and suggestions um, and what you would recommend them to do. Um, uh, I would want to know and they would want to know as well. Um, uh, please remember, everybody, that the FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about treatment, you can go over to FearCast Podcast and you can uh, go over to Find Help link and there's going to be some links over there for you. So, all right, everybody, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.